From the home offices of Ash and Flow, this is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around and listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. Hey, welcome back to this new episode of the Unbillable Hours podcast, Ash, of course, and then Michelle Swan, who joins us today for a topic we've been interested in for, I don't know, a bunch of years, (laughs) never got someone to join us and and share their expertise around it. Michelle is a partner at Terracera. Did I pronounce that correctly? Michelle, you you can correct me. You did. Yep. Spanish for third. For third. And we thought you might be able to share insights around the, all the connection points between just firm value and firm marketing, because what Tercera does is you are investing in IT services companies, which concern themselves with the what you call the third wave of the cloud as a service provider. So you should have some insights. <laughs> we know for a fact, <laughs> in fact, around firm valuations, uh, what drives them, what maybe decreases them. And we were just interested in, in hearing your thoughts of the role of marketing and all of that. But maybe, I don't know if you want to add to the introduction and maybe talk a little bit about what Tercera does, what your role entails and all these things. Yeah, I would be happy to. So thanks for having me on. I, I joke that I am a, a marketer living in an investment banking world, which there's not a lot of us out there. So Tercera is interesting. So it's a pretty new firm. It's about 18 months in. We are a growth equity company specializing in IT professional services. Um, So again, there's a lot of growth equity companies out there, not a lot Mm -hmm. focused 100% on services. And we specifically focus on kind of the consultancies, managed service providers, systems integrators, those that specialize in the cloud's third wave. And that's where Tercera comes from is the third. And we just think that, you know, Things look a little bit different in technology than they did 20 years ago. Uh, a cloud is a big, you know, focus of that, and that there's a different generation of services firms that are going to lead in that space, and they might not be the ones that have been the dominant names over the past 20 years. So our job is to kind of find those that are pushing the envelope on that front. We have a particular focus in some certain ecosystems, and then we give them the capital counsel and connections they need to grow faster. And in most cases, look for an exit sometimes down down the road, whether that's an IPO, which is much rarer these days than it used to be, and then, or an exit potential acquisition. And that can be, you know, three years down the road, it could be 10 years down the road. Interesting. Hmm. And it's slightly tangential to what we wanted to discuss today, but can you elaborate a little bit on the third wave of cloud? Because I saw that on your website and it's, it's probably the the point of view you have on the industry or the, the the umbrella for all the thought leadership you do for for Tercera itself, right? What what is what is the why is it the third wave or what is the the difference you you see? Yeah. It is definitely an important kind of core to our thesis of this. So one of the things that's unique about us is that we are a bunch of former operators. A lot of times, mm. you know, the growth equity companies, a lot of them are founded by former investment bankers or people who have more been in the finance world. And they understand that professional services can be pretty 
great businesses. We actually helped build a company, a number of us, a number of the partners helped build a company called Aperio, which mm. was one of the first Salesforce consultancies out there. Started in 2006. I joined when there was about 15 people, went to about 1,500, got to see a pretty Impressive. good growth trajectory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not too bad. I left right before it got sold to Widpro, which happens to a lot of professional services firms. Yeah. But I ran marketing and customer experience there. And one of the things that we saw was just um, there are unique traits about consultancies that are dealing with certain ecosystems. So in the Salesforce world, you know, you had to be very focused on the cloud. We needed a, you know, you didn't want at then two year projects, you wanted two month projects. Um, so, you know, traits are different. And I think that when you look at how the cloud has evolved over the last three decades, it's different. It's, you know, it's not these big behemoth platforms anymore. It's a lot more API driven. It requires a lot of disruptive skills that, you know, weren't necessarily necessary before. Yeah. Data is much bigger, security is much bigger in that, and that there's a certain trait within services firms that are going to succeed in that new era. All right. I mean, that's a good, I think, also investment thesis, probably, right? Not just thought leadership. I think in your case, investment thesis also the world. So as you, like, if, if you pick those, or if, if you look at those companies that are good at this type of, I don't know, cloud computing advisory or whatever the specific business is. Do you have any any insights? Like Ashton, my burning question is: Does does their marketing function help yeah. <laughs> increase the firm valuation? Yeah. Does it play any role, or is it just a nice to have? What's what's the big picture? Like that's the most pressing question we had actually. And mm -hmm. after that, we can compare spaces. But do you see a, a, a connection there between between our discipline and and the the things Tercera concerns itself with? Absolutely. I mean, and I, I wish more people asked that question, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I think there's absolutely a correlation between marketing and I will say strategic marketing and yeah. value creation. I think mm -hmm. if you look at everything that marketing impacts in a firm, you know, it's everything from your vision to your culture, to your corporate brand and positioning, kind of your perception in the market, if you will, mm. the value proposition and packaging and pricing around your offerings, how you go to market, how you work with partners, how you work with customers, your obviously your pipeline, your close rates, all the things that you guys talk about. I think part of all of that goes to the bottom line. You know, it all ends up in revenue down the road and it ends up in a valuation. Companies yeah. <clears throat> that have a better brand in the space and that do this really well, that are considered true thought leaders and have a big pipeline and lots of great customers out there are going to be valued much higher than others who don't. All right. Hmm. Let's follow up if I, if I may, like, because I was wondering this while preparing for the day, I was wondering like there, if, if someone, if there's an investment case being built and then there's negotiations and all this stuff, typically there's some sort of due diligence gets done sooner or later. And that often has components, right? I, this might be a dumb question, but do, in your work, do does Tessera do like marketing due diligence? Like, do you, does someone screen the function? I think is my question, or is that does that not happen at a great detail? I don't even know how to. Yeah, no, well, we do, and it depends on the size of the company. Yeah. To be honest, so our sweet spot tends to be kind of that ten million to forty million in revenue. Mm -hmm. What we call, you know, it's the companies that are going from that plateau one 
they've like we were saying in earlier before we started the show, you know, they've tapped out their network. They've they've hired all the people who they know. They've talked to all the customers who they know, and they really need marketing to get to that next level. Yeah. Some some of the firms have a marketing function, and to be honest, some don't. Yes. Yeah. And that's an oppor- that's an opportunity. So you don't have to have a marketing function for us to invest. We like it, but in a lot of cases, we help them build it too. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to due diligence, it's interesting. A lot of what we look at are the things that you guys talked about in your unit economics podcast a while back, which is, you know, just what's your average customer size? What's the, you know, the win rate? How Mm. long does it take to close a customer? How do you grow from a $250,000 account to a million dollar account? Um, Mm. And a lot of that. Oh, that's a nice one. We hadn't even, we hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, in, in a, like growing a specific account. Interesting. I'm I'm taking a note of that. I need to, (laughs) I'm learning already. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big one. I mean, I think a lot of companies that, that, we work with, you know, they've, they, they have a, a great offering for kind of those mid-sized clients. And a lot of them are looking for how do you move up to those enterprise clients? How do you get those million dollar or multi-million yeah. dollar accounts? And what does that look like from an offering perspective, kind of account management? How does delivery look in that? And then also oh, yeah. marketing plays a role in that have some account management in the first place, right? Because once you move towards enterprise, just billing and procuring yeah. and stuff becomes, you have to have some processes in house. Otherwise they just, they want to connect to your, if you're in Germany, they want to connect to your SAP or whatever it is. And if you, you either can do that or not, <laughs> but that's, that's besides the point. No, so, so interesting, interesting to hear that the unit economics play a role in your work because like, the, I don't know, Ash, the reason why we talked about it is we always try to explain Bring to people, that into, yeah. if you make the case for your budget that way as a marketer, or if you pre- present your results and defend the budget on those numbers, it's a completely different conversation to have with leadership than, you know, whatever else gets done. It's, but, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think we brought it up primarily because people don't really think of data when they're doing marketing, especially in professional services firm. They just straightforward like to continue what they do even if there is a strategic reasoning but michelle i just want to ask following up from the other question is like what is an obvious thing that you notice when you know these firms have no marketing function or they're doing things but they don't have marketing and they're just still going about things like what's something obvious that you know for our listeners there yeah i'm trying to narrow it down <laughs> so the, i think one of the biggest ones is is just you know when we're like any customer. When we first talk to a company, when we first talk to a firm, the first thing we do is we go to their website. We look at, you know, what people say on social media. We look at Glassdoor scores. We, you know, we do what customers and employees would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the one of the most common things that we see that is usually an indication that there isn't a marketing person is, you know, there's they are all things to all people on their website. They are not specific in what they do. There is no differentiation. They have a great culture and they care about customers and you know all the platitudes that yeah. every company says mm-hmm. out there, but nobody's done the work to, to look at what's really mm-hmm. going to make them stand out and where they're really going to have a point of view. You can tell when they have strategic marketing in-house because they're the things that are on their website, the things that they talk about are different. They're special. 
I mean, one of the other things too, that is, you know, and this is, this is probably little, but you know, is their website full of stock photos and uh, something that they've hired an SEO company to write a bunch of documents that have a bunch of buzzwords that are going to get them mm. higher up in the rankings, but <laughs> no customer actually really cares about. Yeah. 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 Which I guess that's just the, 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 the view of, did they invest in that space? Right. That's an, the, mm -hmm. you, sh you can see that, I guess. It's what you're saying. Is there an investment going on into marketing or is it just, uh, because that, that's a pet peeve of mine with the, the stuff you just mentioned, like just hiring the SEO guy. To me, that's a spend. You just, you just throw money at yeah. someone. They do some marketing, but there's no buildup of an actual capability of, you know, client insight gets turned into some sort of content in-house, which to me, that would increase the value of the firm. I would presume just having someone write articles. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. probably an expense or, or yeah, just a cost line item. One more thing that I, I find interesting is I think there's such a narrow view of marketing, right? You know, many people yeah. think about it, it's the lead gen machine. It's the one that's going to get me the pipeline and the customer revenue, and they need to turn out the data sheets and they need to, you know, do the events and all of that. And I think one of the things that marketing does for especially services companies, it's the long-term brand reputation. Yeah. It's the employer brand, right? Like what do they, what does it feel like to work there? Because if you can't hire great people in a services company, that's your revenue. Um, and so yeah. I think that is often the forgotten piece of marketing and they play a big role with that. If, if I may add, I think, or I, I don't know if it's true, but Ash and I certainly hope for it because we just did a recent episode about it <laughs> where we say, oh, like, look, marketing colleagues, you got to help the business package their stuff because like, that's, I think we also meant when you said, you look at the website, does someone do the work of actually increasing the relevancy because the, the good old, oh, my capability is my service offering, right? I'm an engineer, so I sell engineering services. That's sort of lazy. I mean, it works, you know, you can no, it, it lots works of jobs where they pay you by the hour, but I think that's another attack surface where marketing, strategic marketing can help and say, why don't we, I don't know, create some packages or programs that, that we can, do I dare say price based on value, but that's, that's maybe too far off. I have one more question because you said you're also, Tercer is also happy to invest in companies if they don't have a marketing function. The, the one question I then have is, is that a typical is that an investment case? Like, do companies sometimes maybe even seek out your help, your financing to say, I want to, this is something I want to invest in because I want to grow the firm or do they need other, like pe other stuff, I like, presume people or technology or what's, what's a typical need yeah. in their business cases? Um, that is one of the biggest areas that people want to take the funding for, um, oh, is to invest okay. in. They usually, there's, there's, you know, usually a couple of catalysts for founders or CEOs to take funding, especially, mm -hmm. you know, growth equity funding is, you know, where they want to add fuel to the fire. A big piece mm -hmm. of that is M&A. A big piece mm -hmm. of that is kind of a go-to-market engine. So sales and marketing, they want to build that out so they can start building the pipeline. Uh, another piece is, you know, the leadership, the talents engine, they want to, yeah. they need to recruit ahead of demands. So there's typically things that are almost every services company wants to use the money for and marketing is almost always on that list or I, I should say sales and marketing. Yeah. We had a, we had a next question up, which I think you already answered that a little bit, which the mm -hmm. question was, or, or Ash, you already answered it. Like what are the typical misses in terms of the marketing? Maybe I can, I can still return to that and say, are there cases where there is a marketing function 
And then Tercera looks at it, and you and you see, hmm, there's maybe, maybe, yeah, the functions they're cool, but they, if they only did a few things extra, or if there's something, or is, they could be better, or they could be more valuable, or they, we we would be interested in investing. Now we're not. I don't know if it's that black and white, but but are there some misses you see where where firms have marketing functions, you know? But the game could be increased or improved. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it can always be improved. Nobody does perfect marketing. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, that is clear. But like, <laughs> uh, some typical, we're like, oh, it's that again. Like <laughs> the typical yeah. case of X. I don't know if X. Yeah, is maybe this. like a headless machine. Basically, yeah. they're, they're doing oh. all the activities, but no st strategy. Headless. I like that a headless machine. Um, yes, I think there are definitely some misses. I mean, focus is one of them. That's one of the things that you know it, oh, yeah. when you look at their yeah. website. Is there like they have 17 verticals that they focus on and they do these 25 different things and customers don't really know what they stand for. And they have um, 25, so I, oh, we have 25 people and 26 service lines. You what now? <laughs> yeah, I'm exaggerating, sorry. We each we each do a service line. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Some of us do too, yeah. Yeah, and then it just, you know, they, they feel like everybody else that's out there. There's no differentiation, there's no point of view. I mean, I think there's also, little things too around like customer marketing. I'll, I'll say that's one of the biggest areas that we focus on because it's usually indicative of their customer base. If they've got amazing customer case studies from big brand names on their website, and it's hard, it's hard to get those people to mm. say yes to a customer story or something on a quote on the website, for example. But if you've got the relationship and you're working with some of these big brands and they see the value that you're providing, that usually is indicative of the type of work that services company does. Yeah. If it's the same customer quoted in the press release on the website, like there's one customer, it's pretty clear they maybe have a customer concentration problem or just not a marketing function to really go after a broader yeah. group of customers. So I think the, you know, that That's is that is that is that is very fair and also slightly painful because, <laughs> because I, I feel attacked because I've definitely been doing that. As Ash will know, there, I was for a while in the space in the firm where we had two decent case studies and we had tons of more work in the same domain, but no one would let us talk about it. So we <laughs> so I milked those two for like a year or so. And I had leadership in the firm saying Oh, what are we taking to the conference? Oh, it's not those clients again, right? Because I <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, sorry. I remember that. I remember that too. Well. Yeah. I'm not naming them, but I know which ones. Okay, so my, my point being, I can I feel for all the listeners who have who are in that spot. I know it can be tough. <laughs> yeah, sometimes sometimes you got to work with what you got. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, no, uh, but I, I, think... I think your point still stands. It has to be a priority then to to change that, even if it is hard. And it if like there's some, you know, at least I had the tendency to then say, oh my god, this client credential thing is so painful. Let's see if I can do something else. No, 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 you should. That, that is the point. I think what I'm taking away from you is because it's so important, so visible, you should totally attack that problem, no matter how painful it is, is, is what I'm hearing you uh, say there. Uh, interesting, interesting. Or have point. some, or have something else to supplement it, right? Like that's mm. when your unique point of view assets that you bring to the table that nobody else does. You've or, got or, a very specific view on a particular yeah. vertical problem and you have your subject matter experts out there there's other things that you can do but people notice the customers for sure so <laughs> slightly do you point me to another question is would you put frameworks or consulting processes there, there's a thin line between 
some of that stuff being floated, just being sorry for that, but marketing babble, right? Oh, this is our seven step so-and-so program. But sometimes it's actually really hard IP. I don't know where, if, if do you value that type of stuff? And is there, like, does that we, play a role? Is do. it good to have that? Because that would be something I would say you can use to supplement if you don't have client credentials. You can say, oh, we have a very stringent process and look here, this is a tool, this is, I don't know, that, that maybe can help or can be placed instead of the shiny logos yeah. or something. No, it absolutely matters. And I would say, you know, the smart investors can sniff out when it's vaporware or a architecture or, you know, a basic yeah. set of things that everybody does versus real IP. And that's one of the things that Tercera spends a lot of time looking for is, you know, is there actual, I don't want to say productized IP because these are services companies that yeah. are tech enabled. <clears throat> They're not product companies, but are there real bits of codes or assets or, you yeah. know, unique things that you bring to the table to help move projects further along, help add value down the road to customers. So we absolutely look at that and you can, I mean, you can tell if it's a, Here's, here's our agile process, which is yeah. basically ripped off somebody else's site versus something real. I was going to I'm make different. a joke about trademark, but tra trademark vaporware, but I'm not going there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, we're getting towards the bottom of our question list. I just wanted to, the last question I have, actually, I don't know, do you want to, do you want to take it? We just wanted to, to take your view. And again, I think, I feel like you've said a lot of it implicitly already, but maybe we can, instead of a recap, sort of call it out. Is, is there any advice you have for the people who work or lead inside those marketing functions? If they want to really increase the contribution to firm value, firm valuation, a chance to, you know, get funding or be interested, be interesting as, as a, you know, as an investment, any, any pointers for those people? Yeah, I mean, probably, I guess I'll put in maybe three different areas. The, the first one, and probably the most important is spend some time outside of your company. Mm. Talk to, if you have investors, ask them to talk to other heads of marketing inside their portfolio. Somebody else is probably doing it better than you or doing something interesting that you can steal. <laughs> So spend some time there, get a peer group. So for example, one of the peer groups I'm involved in, which is super fun, is this CMO Coffee Talk, which we have a services marketing channel within that. Nice. And, you know, it's trading best practices. And so we're always looking for people to join that. So hit me up if you're interested in, in being added to that. But we'll, we'll add your LinkedIn to the show notes and then people can message you, presumably. Yeah. Perfect. And then, nice. you know, just look at looking at the competition too. So you don't say what everybody else is saying because you think you're a special snowflake. I think that's really important. The second one is just getting tight with the leaders inside the business. Yeah. Don't just be the marketing person, you know, be the partner with sales, be the partner with HR, get together with the delivery team and figure out what they're uniquely seeing inside the customer base because that's how you get a seat at the table and aren't just the brand police or the people who do events or you can actually offer some strategic value and then the third thing is really just get close with the customers start a customer advisory board if you don't have one and offer to run it even if you have to hire someone to help you <laughs> with that because they're no small task if you have an nps program or a customer sat program look at what's being said ask yeah. for that data, join the sales calls. I, I feel like 
I had that problem when I was at Aperio. I, you know, I kind of grew up in the marketing realm. And so I wasn't super comfortable being on sales calls, but that's where you get so mm. much insight into yeah. the business. Even if you're just yeah. kind of shadowing or listening in to calls. I ran our customer experience. <clears throat> I started a separate function inside Aperio from marketing where we'd actually kind of pair all the different leaders within the business, including marketing with some of our top customers to just ask them how they're using the services, where we could do better, what we were doing really well, and then bring that back to the organization. Starting some kind of program like that, just so you're, you're not just the marketing person. I mean, this, this, this in and by itself is a, is a fascinating thing because I actually never heard it. I must be wrong. It must exist elsewhere, but I've never heard it that someone says we have a professional services firm, but we have this type of program. I have not seen in that shape or form. I mean, there's sometimes there's account marketing teams or account strategy stuff, but that's, if I understand you correctly, you're, you're pairing people with customers probably even they're not working with, would that be fair? Because the account team is always like the same people meeting the same clients, right? That's That doesn't yeah. seem to be what you're talking about. Very interesting. Yeah, no, it's different. It's on the, it's, we call it customer experience. And part of it is just, it's so easy, especially as you grow to get inwardly focused where you're, you know, you're focusing on what you do versus what the customer needs. And so part of the purpose of this group was to really kind of open the windows and make sure that the customer voice was being heard, not just, not just to the leaders in the company who are developing the, you know, the offerings and making the decisions around M&A and things like that, but to the, you know, the, the people on the ground who, who need to hear what annoys customers, what's hard in your processes. So we did a lot of journey mapping and we ran the customer NPS program. We ran the customer advisory board program. And it was, a, it was a bit of a game changer, I feel like, for, for Aperio. I wish more companies did it. Fascinating. Actually, this brings an interesting you know, thought in my head, because I, I, I'm just like Flo, we always talk about marketers needing to speak with the business and listen in and things like that. But something that we notice, especially because, well, marketing within professional services, people, they're all much more focused, even within promotion cycles, speaking with other marketers rather than speaking with business and understanding uh, as a clear example it's very few companies that on the professional services side that connect their entire data mapping and you know legion and everything with sales it's like you've got a set of marketing metrics and you've got all the sales metrics and do they connect not often and it's a matter of discipline so i'm sure you might well i'm guessing you have some tips for people who come in with that kind of mindset, like how do you work on that stuff? Because I'm sure you've worked with a lot of them. Yeah, I think it's just, it's being curious. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, that's super trait and so many people say that, but it's just like, get outside of your comfort zone and ask what people in other functions are doing, especially sales. It's, it's amazing to me how many marketing functions don't see themselves as a partner to sales. You're not the sales engine. Yeah. But marketing needs to be a super close partner to sales. Mm-hmm. I personally am of the belief that marketing should not report into sales. I know that not everybody believes that, but they absolutely have to be the close partner. Same oh, thing you, with delivery. You'll too. be fine around here. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> same, same school of thought. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, but delivery alignment is, I mean, it's another thing. I do think that marketing plays a really unique role in bringing all of those things together. It's a, it's a bow tie funnel now, right? Like you got to get the customers in, but then you also have to keep them happy and use them as references and keep selling to them too. So marketing's got to be concerned with both of it. Which I don't know if that's a, a decent way to sort of slowly close us out, but all these points you're mentioning there, and they're, they're great tips. I never, like, I love the first one of just going out and have building a peer group. Did not expect that. I think that's, that's an excellent idea. Get out of your silos, people. And to be clear, it's, it's easy to get stuck in one, right? I've, as you mentioned, the marketer who doesn't talk to delivery and or sales. I mean, I've been that for years early in my career. You just sit at your desk, you do your stuff. There's tons of events, blah, blah, the day-to-day coming at you. And at no point in the week, do you raise your head and look around and think, okay, what else should I look into here? So yeah, great stuff. And I will close this out by just asking you, Michelle, do you want, where should we point people to? We're obviously going mm-hmm. to put the Tercera website up uh, and probably also your LinkedIn profile so people can inquire about the CO, CMO, sorry, coffee table. <laughs> But is there, is there yeah. anything else you're excited about or, or we, you'd like to call out at this point? No, I mean, I'm just, thank you for having me on. It's always fun to talk marketing. I don't get to do that every day. So, <laughs> so that's, that part is really fun. I think our website, happy to reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. Um, and can connect you to that CMO coffee talk that I mentioned. It's a great community out there. They've got a good Slack channel too. And I would just say, I mean, if you know any firms that are kind of in that sweet spot that I mentioned that we kind of focus on that kind of 10 to 40 million in revenue looking for Mm. kind of that next phase of growth and are in the third wave cloud services, definitely reach out on that front. We're always looking for the next great company. Cool. Do do you have a global scope then, Tercera? Is it? We do. Oh, nice. Yeah, we do. We actually, we just made our, we had, I mean, to be totally candid, our specialty tends to be North America, but we've got five investments so far, one of which is actually based in France. And so they were our first European one. And then we actually will be, by the time this is released, probably in Canada as well. And we have a big Latin America focus too. Nice. So there you have it, people. Reach out if your firm fits the profile or you know of one. Thank you again, Michelle. This was great. Thanks for joining us. I'll stop recording here if no one has anything to add and and wish you a happy Friday and eventually good, good weekend at this point. Sounds great. Have a great one. Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us.